All right, good morning and welcome to the Catalyst Sport Podcast. This is episode three, and today we're going to be talking about what's the best type of cardio. Um, my name is Jason Kapnick. I'm one of the co-founders of Catalyst Sport, and I'm here with my business partner, one of the other co-founders of Catalyst Sport, Joe Boffy. Good morning, Joe. Morning, Jason. Morning, everybody that's listening into podcast land. <laughs> um, so today's um, topic is what's the best type of cardio? And um, pretty open-ended question. Yeah, yeah. I I think you always have to start off and like, what is cardio? It's a good question. A good good point, right? Um, you know, I think I, I think we can look at it two ways. I think we should look at cardio in terms of body composition. I think um, body composition and health being kind of the, the first bucket, and then the second one being in terms of athletic performance. So let's talk about um, let's talk about the first one first, which is body composition and health. I think that a lot of people look to cardio um, or use the term cardio when they talk about fat-burning activities. Do you think that's a, a good way to think about it, Joe? Um, I think that's how people think about it. I'm not so sure that's the best way to think about it, um, personally. Um, what do you think the best best way to think about it is then? I mean, yeah, there's a part of it is like you're working the lungs and the, the pulmonary system and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just working your heart. Um, so it, it, a lot of it is like why you're doing what you're doing and best how to apply it. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, I would add to that, you know, not just cardiopulmonary, but also energy system development, uh, you know, the ability of the, you know, muscles to, to utilize oxygen for fuel, the ability of the muscles to, to use, you know, non-oxygen sources for fuel um, and, and to recover from, you know, for example, I do a sprint, you know, how quickly can I, can I produce output again? Um you know, that's kind of getting into the second part of it, which is, which is performance. But, um, but yeah, so I think it kind of, um, people use the term cardio and people look to cardio for body composition and health. I think people go to the doctor and the doctor says, Oh, you know, you need to improve your cardio or, you know, they feel like they're, you know, going upstairs and they get winded. Um, and, and that's where people look to cardio. Do you think that's, that's one way we can think about it. Yeah, I think it's part of it is a fair statement. Yes, and then I think there's just more to it than that. Um, but yes, that is how most Ex people look at it. Expound on that. What um, you say? There's more to it. I mean, you can walk up the stairs and get, you know, breathing heavy or whatever. Um, and it might be just relative to the fact that you're too weak to get up the stairs and that's why you're breathing heavy um or you're just you're too heavy to get up the stairs briskly um so that's part of it there's just so many different parts that you just can't say cardio all-encompassing and expect um the miracle of health to come to you I, it's hard to put into words I'm, I'm glad you brought that up one of the um kind of thought experiments or anecdotes that I knew that um, I, I would I would present today on our podcast is, is Dr. Squat's uh, Dr. Squat for those that don't know Fred Hatfield he had a PhD in 
something that made him a doctor, um, or he might have been a medical doctor, but um, he was the first guy to squat a thousand pounds. He was um, a real thought leader on, on power development and strength, and um, he, he died recently. But um, he was he was a really well respected and, and really smart guy, Doctor Squat Fred Hatfield, and Doctor Squat um, has a very famous it's called thought experiment on kind of work capacity and cardio. And it was this, it was say you have a, a 10 story building and the goal is in the course of 30 minutes to go up and down the stairs as many times as possible. And who's going to, who's going to win that um, competition, a marathon runner or a power lifter. And it's probably the marathon runner is, is better suited for, you know, just going up and down a flight of stairs. But then the second part of it is, well, what if it is um, carrying 100-pound beer kegs to the 10th floor? Um, who's going to carry more beer kegs to the 10th floor over the course of, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it was? And then the answer is the power lifter because, you know, the marathoners – doesn't have the strength adaptation and it isn't strong enough to probably even carry the, the beer barrel up, um, you know, even once maybe. So I think the point is that, uh, you know, we have a very open-ended question for the topic today. What's the best type of cardio? And, and it really, it depends on the application. Um, you know, I think we can definitely say one of the worst types of cardio is just kind of, steady state glycolytic where you're going fast enough that you're burning glycogen and you're, you're feeling a burn. Um, but you're not going fast enough to call it a sprint. Um, you know, jogging 30 to 45 minutes at a, at a pace where you can't maintain a conversation, which is, I think what people kind of default to. Um, I, I think that's what people see the worst results from. Don't you think? I, I am struggling partially with the word worst. Um, again, I think it's application. Is that the most, the best way for somebody to, you know, go from not working out to working out? Uh, probably not. Um, but again, it leads back into what's your goals, like um, that kind of question. Well, let me uh, put it another way then. Um, At least efficient is probably a better way to put it than worst. Yeah, fine. Um, I'll I'll put it another way. I I agree with that. It's it's definitely one of the least efficient. I think it's going to have some of the most negative adaptations as far as um, it costs a lot on recovery and it's not going to deliver the results as far as adaptations that people are looking for, favorable adaptations in, in terms of body composition, aerobic system development. Um, and I'll contrast to that to, to, you know, the answer I normally give people when they ask me, well, what's, what kind of cardio should I do is I tell them to stay on the ends of the spectrum, meaning that I think that low intensity cardio is great, you know, going out and walking at a brisk pace for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, you know, especially fasted walking, I think is a great thing for, for fat loss. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum being, you know, high intensity sprint cardio, um, you know, going to the track and running some sprints, um, you know, snatching kettlebell, things like that. Um, you know, 
for those that haven't listened to episode two, we talk a lot about, you know, high intensity cardio um, on our last podcast. And I think in general, that's probably how people should think about it, um, that they should work the low intensity, you know, kind of the aerobic system development of, you know, brisk walking or, you know, some people are going to be fit enough to, um, you know, to do that as a jog or, you know, light bike ride um, on the rower. Swimming is fantastic. Uh, you know, things like that. And then at the other end of the spectrum, more of the high intensity cardio. Yeah. So that's kind of on the, on the health side. And I, and I think that's, you know, as far as advice for how to think about your, your health, um, you know, cardio for, for health and body composition and general po- population. Um, that's kind of my general advice. Um, you know, the other kind of aspect to this question or, you know, we said it's a very open-ended question. You know, Joe said to me before we started the podcast, like, is this a trick question? <laughs> yeah, it might be a trick question. Um, but um, the other part of it is what's the best method, right? Is it running? Is it biking? Is it kettlebell? Is it swimming? Is it, you know, um, circuit training? Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as um, method of cardio goes? Um. I think it's whatever resonates best with the person. Um, you can um, do whatever, like I said, like I said, works best for you. Um, uh, using kettlebells, using a rower, using an airdyne bike, um, you moving your body through space on in the grass field, whether you're sprinting crawling carrying a rucksack um i'm i'm always a proponent of um moving your own body through space is kind of something i kind of say often um Mm -hmm. it usually produces the best effect personally um as like somebody who was a competitive kickboxer i always found jumping on a bike to not be as effective as running sprints um, because you're not carrying your own body or like with gravity and propelling yourself across the ground. Um, that was just the way I personally felt about it. Yeah. Not, I mean, not to say jumping on like a, an elliptical and like going crazy and taking selfies like Joe Rogan after his workouts isn't going to be effective. It's just to me, it wasn't as effective. I think it gets back to, you know, something that, that we've obviously talked a lot about at Catalyst over the years, which is authentic human movement, moving the body, moving your body the way it was meant to move naturally. Um, you know, when it comes to biking, um, you know, that you mentioned, I think, I think biking can be good. I mean, I have a bike, I ride it around town. I, I enjoy, you know, riding my bike. Um, we've definitely seen a lot of people who, you know, all they do is spin class. They do spin four or five times a week. And, and the way that I've always thought about that is like, you know, we've been anatomically human for 200,000 years. Um, and, you know, someone only invented the bicycle in the last you know couple hundred. And um, it's a strange position. You know, it's like you're hunched over. Your neck's normally like extended on a hinge point. Your hip doesn't come to full extension. It definitely causes some movement problems, you know, hip compression and, and lower back issues being the ones that come most to mind to me. That's, um, a lot of times I see that issue because it locks your pelvis in place. 
as yeah. you're sitting on the seat and you're not allowed your pelvis doesn't get to like um uh ambulate is that the right word uh side to side or up and right. down the way you do when you normally walk or run um it just gets locked in place so it puts stress on the body in weird ways and it's like also because you know there's like that kind of like the hip short the whole time your hip never extends fully on the bike and you know and for um you know those to think about it like if i stand up straight i think about how open the front of my hip is um versus if i'm on a bike even when i'm that legs all the way down my hips still not fully extended um and i think that leads to hip compression for people if it's not if it's not balanced with other strength training methods or with other training methods um you know, again we're not saying not to bike um i know you have a bike i know you ride it um I enjoy riding my bike. Like I just said, we have plenty of members that, that have had a lot of success with, with biking. And I know spin classes, um, you know, it, it can be a great part of your routine because it's fun and it's social. And, you know, there is that metabolic component to, to, you know, getting on the bike and working hard. Um, but we just have to couple that with, you know, planks and deadlifts and, you know, core stability and um, things that are going to help us, retain or regain our, our quality of movement. Uh, yes. I, we I do a lot that... of that here by um, using things like staggered stance, deadlifts, swings, um, gait patterned movements, just right. to kind of counter that stuck in one place position of sitting on a seat. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, crawling farmers carries even bilateral exercises like you know a kettlebell deadlift that that's a kettlebell deadlift a barbell deadlift any deadlift you know that's building strength into hip extension so i think that's something that's gonna um you know kind of help develop let's just call it hip extension i feel like the fitness industry's become obsessed with like glutes um to a point where it's maybe there's some misconceptions maybe we'll do another podcast on that but um but being able to extend the hip all the way is something that we see, um, you know, people sit at their desks all the day, all day, they're in hip flexion, their hips are, you know, kind of compressed. Um, so that's kind of the caveat on the bike. Um, I think swimming is a great method of cardio. I think swimming is interesting for a couple reasons. Um, I think swimming is interesting because it's a, it's a good posture to be in. It gets your body really long. Um, I think swimming's interesting because the buoyancy of the water takes stress off the joints. And, um, you know, again, it's a natural human movement. Humans have been swimming, um, you know, since before we were human, the ability to get in water and, and swim. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about swimming is the element of breath control um, is that I can't be just, you know, tongue lolling out, breathing through my mouth. Um, you know, I have to control my breath because I'm, I'm, I'm face down. And, um, you know, one of the things that's really helped my cardio development recently has been the, uh, the oxygen advantage method. It, it's a kind of an updated version of beauty echo breathing. Uh, we have a blog post I wrote on beauty echo breathing. And, and basically the idea on that is, um, that we overbreathe, we breathe through our mouths and it causes our blood carbon dioxide level to be below what's optimal. And, um, and, and so swimming forces us to control our breath and not overbreathe because we're face down and, you know, to, 
like when I'm swimming, I try to breathe every three strokes. So I alternate between left and right breaths. And, uh, you know, when you're getting tired, uh, sometimes it's tough to, to, you know, hold your breath for, for three strokes, um, you know, let alone five strokes. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why swimming is so powerful for people and um, why swimming has been demonstrated to alleviate asthma symptoms um, clinically. Yeah. I, I don't get a chance to swim, but I do love swimming. Um, I definitely feel very much the benefits of swimming if I get a chance to. And I think one of the things that kind of that, that dovetails into is choosing exercises which are going to build your body up and not break it down. Um, you know, I think if you go hang out in Central Park, you'll see a lot of people running where like, they might not have the gait to the, the, the strength, the ability to control the midline stability um, where like their knees are collapsing or their neck is in a strange position. Um, and let's be honest, running on blacktop is not the best place to be running. It's tough, right? I mean, it's just so much impact on your joints. It's like, it's not it's not natural i mean blacktop's not natural right like we didn't evolve to be running on blacktop right it's a very it's a tough surface um you know especially you know footwear choice is something that that people have talked a lot about in recent years i think correctly so um you know, born to run was a, a new york times bestseller uh, he talked a lot about how footwear choices have caused a lot of negative impacts for runners. Um, you know, we certainly see a high injury rate for runners and, you know, that doesn't mean running bad. I actually think running is great. I think running is like one of the pinnacle human movements. Um, but again, if you can't run in a way that doesn't cause you joint pain, I don't want to say joint pain, but I think that people, people beat up their bodies with running for sure. And I, think I mean, that it they also need... brings us back to the beginning of the podcast where you were, we mentioned the person walking up the stairs and getting out of breath. Right. If you're walking up the stairs and you're out of breath from walking up the stairs. You probably shouldn't start with jogging. It's, right. It's your body is just not like durable, capable, strong enough, however you want to word it, to go out and jog. Um, you're going to have to find your cardio or your health or whatever kind of term you want to put on it in a less impact-driven way. Absolutely. I think people underestimate how much um, how much benefit they can get out of walking, and especially brisk walking. Um, you know, that kind of aerobic system development of, you know, the ability for the body to utilize oxygen. So let's let's kind of we'll give i'll give people a short science um uh, thing on energy systems here we, we typically think of energy systems three ways we have aerobic um which is the body's utilizing oxygen for um for fuel that's typically the lowest intensity you're able to sustain that for a long period of time um and that's the cleanest burning form of of um of energy system. The next one up the chain is going to be glycolytic, um, which is now your body starting to burn muscle glycogen. And that's the one that we kind of recommend people staying out of. Um, that's where you're going to feel the burn. You're going to have that lactic acid effect. 
And then the most intense, um, the anaerobic. So anaerobic is for your sprint or for, for you know, lifting weights. Um, that does not utilize um, oxygen anaerobic is, is what that word means. And you're typically only able to sustain anaerobic output for, you know, what, 10 to 14 seconds. Um, so when we talk about staying at the ends of the spectrum, we're looking for that kind of like anaerobic sprint output, or we're looking for that low, slow um, aerobic output. And, um, you know, the aerobic stuff, the aerobic system development, um, it has so many benefits for your health for for you know autonomic nervous system is something we talked about a lot on episode two of, of sympathetic fight or flight versus parasympathetic rest and digest um, having a more developed aerobic system is something that's going to help you um, retain that balance it's going to help you recover from exercise better and um and walking, you know, walking is going to put you in that zone, especially, you know, walking briskly. Um, you know, you heard my dog barking uh, just a minute ago um, to, to go out and go for a brisk walk with the dog. Um, you know, especially if you can kind of uh, make sure that you're using good breathing mechanics with it again to get back to kind of oxygen advantage or beauty echo method. Um, I try to never open my mouth when I'm walking the dogs. Um, and for more advanced stuff, you can you can do some breath restriction of you know, all right, I'm not gonna breathe until I reach that stop sign over there. Um, much more advanced outside the scope of what we're talking about today, but just as simple as um, hey, I'm not gonna breathe through my mouth and I'm gonna go for a brisk walk. The benefits of that are tremendous. Yeah, uh, like brisk brisk walking with a backpack on, brisk walking. Mm -hmm. Um, in a terrain, a uh, different terrain environment, just to keep the, you know the uh, mental stimulus there. Um, yeah, any kind of variation like that is gonna gonna help get you to the point where other types of cardio might be appropriate as well. Yeah, absolutely. What about sport performance? That was something that we kind of touched on at the beginning. Um, and haven't gotten to yet. How do people think about cardio for sport performance? I think it also, again, it all depends on um, application. Um, my mind generally goes to the fight world because it's where yeah. my, my training is most uh, applicable to. Um, and... I do believe that having a larger aerobic tank allows you to have a better anaerobic system. So yeah, there, absolutely. There is benefit to going out and doing some steady state cardio as long as you're getting anaerobic training in your practices that are sports specific or um, even if it's just sprinting during practice if you're a football player like you know you're running sprints during practice so it, you're getting that there um, as we were talking about energy systems earlier um, there's like the three of them or whatever I do believe they're way more overlapped these days than previously thought yes so as one increases the other one's gonna increase too but like again treating them independently a lot of times is a mistake um, 
poor sports performance. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, the anaerobic system creates an oxygen, you know, deficit and the ability to have a, a, a efficient aerobic system lets us recover from anaerobic activity, anaerobic bouts more quickly. Uh, you know, I think when it comes to sport performance, especially combat sport and, you know, maybe more jujitsu than, than Thai boxing, uh, skill acquisition, I think it's something that's probably got to be number one, right? It's like, um, you know, at jujitsu, sometimes we'll see guys where it's like, especially like newer guys, um, you know, let's say white belts or newer blue belts who are, you know, super fit guys and personal trainers and they're gassing, um, you know, they're gassing during training. They're having to take rounds off and they'll be like, oh man, I got to improve my cardio. And it's like, dude, you're one of the fittest guys here. Like your, your, your issue is not that your gas tank's not big enough. Your issue is you're getting two miles to the gallon. Um, that you know, when it comes to when it comes to fight sports and you know, especially jujitsu, which is so skill dependent, um, the ability to learn when to when to make output and when to relax, and the ability to relax in training and you know get more miles per gallon, I think is something that that's really critical for for endurance and stamina. And um, you know, I guess it's not cardio at that point, but I think that. I would encourage, I would definitely encourage jujitsu practitioners who feel like they're having trouble with cardio to maybe broaden the question a little bit and say, is this really a cardio issue or am I being a little bit of a spaz? Um, you know, um, I think that, you know, uh, my background, um, you know, includes a lot of field sports. Um, it was, you know, uh, an all-state midfielder in high school in lacrosse. I, I played Division One lacrosse for a little while, and um, you know, especially in high school, played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, between taking faceoffs, uh, being on, on defensive, um, defensive man down, and on man up, and um, you know, on, on regular play, um, I took a lot of minutes. And I think that one of the things that was always big in in field sports, you know, lacrosse being sport where you probably run a lot of miles you know a, a lot like soccer um and unlike football where you know a football player is much more sprint based compared to you know soccer or or lacrosse being somewhere in the middle of those two um one of the things that i always found was that the traditional like going for a three mile run going for a 5k run um didn't have a whole lot of carryover compared to doing sprints because I think the sport itself, I don't want to be jogging my, the entire um, game. I want to be sprinting. Um, and then typically there's bouts of recovery. You know, you, you know, you sprint the ball down the field uh, and, and then you settle it and, you know, kind of start setting up an offense or whatnot. Um, you know, basketball being a similar concept for those that, you know, uh, maybe aren't from the Northeast and don't know lacrosse. Um, you know, sprint the ball down the field. And then typically there's a, a period of settling into an offense or in defense. And um, I, I think that sprinting with a, an adequate rest is much more authentic to the, to the game itself. And as a result is much more useful when it comes to, um, you know, being your best in those sports. Absolutely. Um I completely agree with the um, skill acquisition as far as strength and conditioning coaches go. Um, I'm working with a high-level athlete now. Um, 
she's brand new to the combat sport world um, and I keep having to temper her expectations a little bit and be like listen we don't need to worry about being in the best shapes of our lives right now what you need to be worrying about is not getting choked out or knocked out in the first three seconds of a brand new sport you have you need to go and spend as much time getting better at the sport than worrying about lifting as much weight as you possibly can and then running as far as you can as fast as you can um that stuff just secondary to your skill acquisition yeah and i'll i think um as we're wrapping up here i'll kind of leave one more example of um you know making your cardio and thinking about your training as being authentic to what your needs are for that sport um i had a buddy who once um he was you know kind of like half marathon kind of runner and he was like oh i ran 10 miles um in you know whatever it was i ran 10 miles at a seven and a half minute mile pace he's like oh could you do that and i was like no i i, I couldn't you know i'm a power lifter jujitsu whatever um he's like oh cool so if we ever got in a in a fight i would just outrun you and i was like well no you wouldn't make it out of the first 50 yards because i would out sprint you um so um you know kind of a humorous example there but we have to think about it right of like that work capacity curve of what is the work that we're trying to maintain here what what are we trying to do are we trying to just go low and slow for for an hour or is our sport you know three to five seconds of, of extreme output followed by slower periods or you know seven to ten seconds whatever it is um think about what your needs are for your sport and um remember that your, your sport comes first and that your you know strength and conditioning needs to support that and not you know you're not going to become better at jujitsu by you know just being better at um kettlebells yeah any other, uh, you know, parting thoughts here as, as far as um, how people should be thinking about what the best type of cardio is? Mm, nope. But don't be stuck on one type. It's probably the best thing yeah. think of is, like, be open to all the different types. Yeah. I think, um, like a lot of other things in fitness and a lot of other things that we've talked about, you know, having balance and having multiple skills and uh, is really to your benefit. Anytime you can find something that um, you know is new to you that you can get good at, um, that, that's always a great place to spend time at in fitness. Uh, all right. So this has been uh, Catalyst Sport Episode Three podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on the last couple podcasts, and um, we we look forward to hearing from you. If you have topics you want to hear us discuss, please get in touch. Shoot us an email at jason at catalystsport.com or joe at catalystsport.com. And um, we'd love to talk about them. Thanks so much, Joe. Bye, guys.